Welcome to Vallejo's Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast on Sunday, January 12th, 2020. The Reverend Wendy Kamori Stager is preaching. The message is B. The scripture this morning begins with the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, and New Testament lesson from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel according to Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Here ends the reading. Please join me in a word of prayer. God, you are everywhere and everywhere. You are already here with us. Yet we pause and pray to ask for your specific guidance in these next moments. Help us by your Holy Spirit to hear and receive your message to us individually and as a community this day. Amen. So um, I found out that my kid thought that I was lazy this week. Uh, Ouch. You know, I, I think it's because my husband and I, we, we actually work a lot of evenings. So, you know, we are not bouncing out of bed in the morning. And often she's the first one who is dressed and breakfast and, and out the door. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I'm a little, I'm a little defensive. <laughs> I don't like being called lazy. And lazy is a, it's definitely in our society, right, it's a pejorative term. It, it feels like a person is unmotivated, lacking in enthusiasm, um, and not engaging with the world. And while there are genuinely some lazy and slothful people, um, I don't think I count as one of them. <laughs> After all, I'm a product of my culture, both the Japanese side and the American side. One of the places we visited when we were in Tokyo was a downtown area overlooking the uh, Sapporo building and under the tall silhouette of a large skyscraper owned by Dentsu. Our tour guide Robert explained to us how Dentsu is one of the most prestigious and successful advertising agencies in Japan and in the world. And it is a competitive company to work in But in Japan, once you get your foot in the door and you are there, you could be employed there for the rest of your life. But in return, there's a sense of loyalty. Like, okay, they're taking care of me, I'm gonna take care of the company. And Dentsu came under intense criticism 
because just a few years ago, a young worker died. Matsuri Takahashi killed herself. She had texted her friends about her tiredness and her despair. It seems like she had worked over 100 hours of overtime in the month before she had died. And so the criticism was that Matsuri Takahashi had died from overwork. And overwork is a chronic problem in Japan, so much so that the Japanese have a word for it, karoshi. And karoshi in includes illnesses, not just suicide, but also heart attacks, stroke, and debilitating depression, and has an official definition under the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare as the sudden death of an employee who works more than 80 to 100 hours of overtime in a month. And so Robert, our tour guide, went on to say that the government of Japan recognized that this is um, indeed kind of a problem, and they're, they're sort of saying, well, what can we do, public service announcements, to soften this overwork culture? So they started a program called Premium Fridays, where they were encouraging people on the last Friday of the month to knock off at 3 p.m. And in that sense, go out and go out to dinner and spend some money in the, you know, in the, you know, going to research, you go out to restaurants and social activities. And uh, Robert went on to say, yeah, didn't work at all. And in fact, I was looking up, was it called Golden Friday or Premium Friday, and found an article about uh, how people on Twitter now say, that Premium Friday thing? Wait, is that even happening? It's just a, a laughing stock that they would even try to do that differently. Later on in the trip, I got to visit my pastor friend Junichi, and his wife Mari is a seventh grade teacher teaching English at a private Christian school. And when I was with her, she left to go work on a Saturday, helping her English club um, work at an elder care facility. And Monday was a holiday, but she worked pretty much all day Monday, too. And I'm looking at Junichi going, is this common? And he says, oh, yeah. Teachers are often there until 7 or 8 o'clock at night and in on weekends. I gotta say, it makes me not want to go and live in Japan or work in Japan. But lest we make fun of Japan, is America so different? I watched my own father's life be very dedicated to his work. He was an electrical engineer, mostly at Hughes Aircraft Company, and I, I remember hearing around the house my mom going, take some vacation days, and he's like, no, 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 I'm fine. He was one of those people who had accrued so many vacation days that they don't let you accrue anymore. And then, you know, in my own application for colleges, and that was a couple years ago, but I'm not so sure it's so different now. You want to stuff your application with the accomplishments, the leadership, the service activities, the extracurricular activities, the athletics. And in all of this, what I received in the greater culture is that the underlying message of success is to be busy, to be productive. 
and that a productive individual is a worthwhile individual. You can even brag about being exhausted and kind of get into a game of one-upsmanship. Oh, I've got so much to do. And somebody else like, oh, yeah, I totally understand, right? I got the kids and the aging parents. Or have you ever heard anybody say, well, I'm retired and I'm busier than ever? I hardly have any spare time. But when we say those things, it's almost like we are taking pride in our to-do list. That we are avoiding looking lazy. That we are bragging about how packed our calendars are, whether we keep them on our phone or written in a piece of paper. Brene Brown, a sociological researcher, defines this problem as exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. I'll say that again. Exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. She labels it as a sociological problem. In the church, we would label this as part of sin, a place where we as individuals and a culture miss the mark that we're missing what God has us to be about if we think exhaustion is a great way to look high status and that our self-worth is dependent upon what we produce. For here is the good news. Our worthiness, our worth in God's eyes, is not tied to productivity. God's love for us is not conditional upon what we do, how much of it we do, how tired we are, how many appointments are in our calendars. God loves us for who we are, not what we do. In fact, God loves us even when we don't do anything. God's the one who created us. We're called human beings. We're not called human doings. We're human beings. And both our Old and New Testament scriptures remind us of this sense of our worth in God's eyes and God's measure of us. The psalm that Janelle read today opens his song by saying, I waited patiently for the Lord, waiting, trusting. It's not about pursuing and trying and attempting, but trusting in openness that God will indeed hear and love and respond. The psalmist trusts this so much that even in times of great trial and trouble, in a place and time of sadness and depression, or stuck slogging through this mucky bog, that God would come and approach the psalmist, that God would come in love and in rescue. And in return, what the psalmist does is to sing songs of praise. We've been doing some of those this morning. It's not to respond to God with sacrifice, but to intentionally be in God's presence 
recognizing and saying to God, here I am, I put myself before you, and I trust in the steadfast love and in God's faithfulness to keep me safe forever. For the psalmist trusts that God is the one who is the source of worthiness, the source of value, and the solid foundation on which life can be built. In our New Testament text, looking at the baptism of Jesus, the key word in the text I would lift up to you is the word beloved. It's as Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism that God's voice from heaven says, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Notice this comes before, this comes super early in the gospel story. This is, this is only chapter 3. Jesus has not taught a word. In Matthew, he has not healed a single person. He has not talked to or confronted any religious powers. He hasn't done very much yet. But what does God say in the waters of baptism? Jesus is my son. I am well pleased. I love him. And what baptism and Jesus' baptism reminds us is not just for Jesus, but for us as well. And when we baptize, and in the Presbyterian Church, we will baptize infants, it's because we proclaim that we are God's children, chosen and beloved in God's sight before we accomplish or produce anything. Or maybe we produce what lands in our diaper, but that's about it, right? Because it's not about what the baby has to do or accomplish to be recognized and loved by God. And so when the world's pressures, whether they come from college applications, parents, bosses, somebody who's one-upping their busy schedule on you, try to tell you that your worth is dependent upon what you do and what you earn. God's voice is here to remind you. You are who you are. You are mine. You are beloved. That's good news. It's kind of freeing to not have to act or perform out of guilt or out of fear of the future or obligation. Wouldn't it be nice to be kind of free from the tyranny of the to-do list? To be able to take a breath and a breather and a break. It feels kind of good. And God promises later on in Matthew, right? Come to me all you who are weary and I will give you rest. So this is God's invitation for us to be the human beings and not the human doings. The question for us is, do we take God up on this? I mean, we've already said God's everywhere, everyone. But how often do we make room for God? Do we make the space to be with God and allow God to be with us in our busy schedules? It can be kind of hard 
I'll admit it, to try to have the discipline and the schedule to do it. And, I'll, and I will say, it doesn't look the same for every person. We've been singing a lot about music. There's a season in my life where if I could just sing a, a verse of a hymn underneath my breath as I walk, that became my prayer. In other seasons of my life, it has been, I'm going to sit in this chair for 30 minutes. So it can look different for different people. But I'd love to hear from you. There's a lot of wisdom in this room. How do you make space for God? What does that look like in, in your life? And it may be the same as what it looks like for me or somebody else, but I'd love to hear so that we know we're not in this together, both the struggle of it and the privilege of making space for God. So who wants to share a bit about what you are about in making space for God? One thing that um, I'm able to do consistently is when I'm driving, I listen to the radio station, K-Love. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that just, the songs and um, just really help me focus or refocus <laughs> on, what is, on, what, on what it is important and what. And... And then just, you know, saying a prayer to God on what he wants me to be doing. Hmm. Yeah. So you're driving, you're kind of multitasking, but you're intentionally choosing what you listen to in those, in those times. Right. And do you notice your life is a little different because you do that? What do you notice? Yeah. No, I <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. No, I, um, I notice that I'm able to... Um, to, my mind is able to fasten, you know, to, to latch onto what the things the, yeah, yeah the, about God's love yeah. and about what we should be doing mm-hmm. to show God's love. And it also helps me really calm down. down. Yeah. It really helps me calm down. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else, what do you do in your life that makes space for God? It may be daily. It may be eh, as you make as it as it happens. Um, I have memorized uh, several verses from Psalm 36, and it's a breathing prayer. Uh, so it's very meditative, and uh, I I know that I can say it anywhere because I've. Are you willing to, to share it? What, what is it? Or? How precious is thy steadfast love, O God. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of thy wings. They feast on the abundance of thy house, and they um, receive drink from uh, the torrent of thy delights. In, in my light, I've missed a part. Uh, we, uh, in your light, we have life. Mm. It's not quite perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But I breathe in between each verse. Yeah. And it's, Very it's, calming. It's, it's sort of, and it's already in you. You don't mm-hmm. have to read it. You don't have to, like, go look it up. It's, it's right there. It's as, close, it's as close as you remembering to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, and then I'll run back to you, Mike. 
Every morning when I wake up, I pray to God. I stretch before I even get out of bed. Mm. And I say my gratitudes and thank you, God, for having this morning time with me. Mm. Instead of just rushing out of bed and getting ready for work and all of that, I had injured my hip a while back, and I'm just like, okay, God, I'm slowing down your first. Hmm. And it has made a, a big difference. I go out of the house with happiness, a smile. I get into work, and everybody's like smiling. Where have you been? What are you doing? And we'll just get into a discussion and just go on with the day. So it helps me. And then Sundays are my day for God and socializing and just praising him. Right. Yeah. And, and if I may share, you've worked really hard to advocate for yourself at your workplace, you know, which is a place that's open 24-7 to say, Sundays are Sabbath, and I'm holding that. I don't wanna, I'm not going to work that day. They've been wanting me to work it for five years, and I've told them no. And recently, I had to uh, work in the afternoon, but I told them there is no way I'm going to church first. Mm-hmm. And they almost told me I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. My um, boss now, the activity director, praise God, she was on my side. And she just told me Friday, she says, you don't even have to come in after church. You get the day off. And I'm like, I'm celebrating today. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just wanted to say that I write in my journal nearly every night. Yes. Because um, it gives me the time and the focus to um, talk to God. It's like I'm talking to him. Hmm. Yeah, and that includes gratitude and my concerns. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a written a written way to pray. Yeah. Mike in the back. I'm not a big fan of group prayer. Um, like, I think what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that you should be by yourself and. Uh, take some time. So for me, it's almost always sitting in my car. Sitting in your car? Yeah. I'll, um, instead of getting out, I'll just sit back down uh-huh. and uh, spend, spend a few minutes and then move on. Yeah. Yeah, to not just get to your destination and pop out of the car, but to just Take some moments to breathe. Yeah. One more? Anybody else? How do you make space for God? Oh. The book. It's on. The book of Proverbs, 31 uh, chapters. And every morning, first thing in the morning, I read one chapter at a, at a time. Huh. So today, the, the 12. So I read at chapter 12. Chapter 12. So every morning, first thing in the morning, that set my day. It yeah. really helps me. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Book of Proverbs, Psalms. Anybody else? 
And it's, it's, different. it's different for different people. Some people, it's the morning. Some people, it's not the morning. <laughs> Some people, it's in music. Some people, it's in Psalms. Some people, it's in Proverbs. And, and for those of you, perhaps, who when I said, hey, what are you doing to make space for God? Maybe you went, I'm feeling kind of guilty. I don't do that. <laughs> this is not a guilt trip, but it is an invitation. God is longing to love you and to spend time with you. And it's us who keep running around. One of the spiritual writers called Don Postema said he used to write into his calendar morning prayer, 7.30 a.m., and he would just pass by it. He started writing in 7.30 a.m., God. And he found that that helped him be able to show up and to be with God. God nor I are about guilt tripping you, that if you don't do this, you're not a good Christian. But I do want to put it out there as a practiced way to repel these voices that talk about exhaustion as a status symbol and your productivity as self-worth. That the antidote, the cure, the medicine for that is to allow God to be with you and to be fully yourself before God. I encourage you to try it and that as you do to notice how then God shows up in your life in new ways. Maybe it's your New Year's resolution. Thanks be to God. Amen. You have been listening to Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Community Presbyterian Church and its ministries, come visit us at 2800 Georgia Street in Vallejo, California, or visit our website, cpcvallejo.org. You can also email us at cpcvallejo at sbcglobal.net. Have a blessed day.